At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we got some heavy stuff today, but let's start with everything, everywhere, all at once. Charlie, you said it's the greatest movie you've ever seen. <laughs> Justin, you said you saw it in theaters three times. I watched it specifically so we could talk about it. So now let's talk. Spoilers. Click ahead if you don't want to get this movie ruined. Yeah. Uh, what did I think? Yeah, why did you think this is the greatest movie of all time? Well, so one, from a technical level, it was made on a very cheap budget. And the, the practical effects that they did with you know her uh, traveling forward through the city sidewalks or being pulled backwards on her chair in the accounting office or the quick cuts to different life like life she lived mm-hmm. I watched it twice they're very well realized and very well done and I actually am not normally like a technical person but I think they really um, they had the intended effect of in many of those scenes uh, making all those different life choices seem fleshed out yeah um, so that was one. Technically, I thought it was just really well done. And then the enormity, I guess one, it was, well, I'll just do the little stuff first. It, ha- it managed to be funny uh, while being serious, while being action. It did so, it did, it was everything everywhere all at once. So I'm trying to think of my favorite. One of my favorite lines is Alpha Wayman comes in. He's like, you can just sit here and do nothing or we can get up and go outside. She's like, I will lay down and do nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was fucking great. Um, and it did that. And then I also thought it had, it set up uh, themes that were paid back that I didn't even see, co- see coming. Meaning by the end of the movie, if I were to zoom out, I was like, this is a family drama about a woman whose dad let her go. Mm-hmm. And she's, having the same drama play out with her daughter. But it was subtly, that, that first part was subtly communicated. You were very focused on her and the daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was only really the importance of the grandpa, I felt like only paid off in that final third act. And I didn't actually see it coming. Her, her dealing with her dad, how that then impacted her willingness to be with her daughter. And then so many of the things like, well, that, and that's a that's a philosophy that you deeply agree with. That actually, for yes. some reason, some people don't necessarily agree with that. But you're you're mm-hmm. very much strongly on board with your unresolved issues with your parents. No matter how good you think they were at being parents, will bleed into every romantic and familial relationship you have, and will seem like nothing. And yeah. that was kind of like, and the movie depicted that really well. It was like unimportant. You know what I mean? Like it was a scene where like her dad let her go and she, you know, lived her life and that was her life. As an adult too. Yes. Like she's like, okay, you picked your husband over your mm-hmm. family. This happens all the time. It's not the reason you and your daughter mm-hmm. or you and your husband have issues. And then yeah. it goes into how it is, which yeah. I think a lot of people would say, I had a great childhood. I have no trauma. It's like, mm-hmm. you did have a great childhood. 
and something that you might not even realize that may have been good parenting, quote unquote, has impacted your ability to connect fully with your emotions, your lover, your children, your friends, whatever it is. Well said. Yes. And so that's that's a, a belief that I come in with that I thought was well executed mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, it did so many beliefs. And it also, like, the metaphor I thought was so strong, which is in a world where any little choice could make you anything ever. Uh, why be satisfied with this life was, was the core question, especially a life spent doing laundry and taxes and it answered it i thought not at every moment but by the end beautifully which is you know it's cheesy it's it, all themes are ultimately cheesy just because i love you like that's that's the reason um and i thought that that was very touching mm-hmm. um i thought that the moments the way that they had can i, can I hop in on that one because sure. that's an area that i thought was that i think was interesting i even thought it was interesting in the movie so for people who haven't seen it but aren't going to see it the the mother and daughter have a tough relationship where the mom is very critical of the daughter. There's a scene early on where you clearly can tell <laughs> she wants to say, I love you. She goes to the daughter. She goes, they, they just had a fight. And she chases after. She goes, wait, wait, wait. There's something I have to say. And you're like, oh yeah, she's going to say like, I love you. And she yeah. goes, you've been gaining weight. You need to watch what you eat. And it's like, wow, you just followed up this fight with mm-hmm. a critique. And it's because of the culture she was raised in or her own parents or whatever. And then at the end, the daughter says, you and I mostly fight and you make me very sad and I make you very sad. Why don't we just stop interacting now that I'm about to turn 18? Mm -hmm. And the mom goes, because amongst mostly a majority of experiences where I am angry at you or frustrated with you or you're sad or you're crying or you're depressed and suicidal, there are brief moments of love that make it all worth it. You think that's what she says? Yeah. And I was like, well, wait a second. If your mom really does make you suicidally depressed because the way she expresses love is by being very critical to you, it's not necessarily the wrong thing to give yourself space from that mom. Move out of the house. Say, listen, I love you. I'll see you on Thanksgiving, but you're really bad for my mental health. Mm -hmm. And the message for the movie seemed to be love conquers all even if it means the majority of the time is happy and the majority of the time is you guys butting heads which i thought was an interesting takeaway well i didn't get the first part that you said where it was the majority of this i thought there was there was one line where she's talking about the uh to know the joys and the pain of having you as my mom i thought i thought the mom said the she said something like the little moments or the infrequent moments that to me implied that they were scarce that it wasn't a relationship that was majority happy with brief interludes of I think what she was saying what I understood little to mean in that scene was little in the space of the universe not little in the course of our relative lives but Mm. little in the course of like these small moments of like you're not I don't know I'm not a famous singer and you're not a super powerful demigod that I didn't understand it to mean relative to their lifespan because I do think there was an implication Mm -hmm. in the movie that the daughter was suicidal Mm -hmm. right that's the whole donut thing I took it to mean she was nihilistic, which is could be suicidal. Well, the takeaway from the movie is nihilistic. I agree. But I thought the daughter specifically was at least depressed at a minimum, like very sad, crying often, thinking about leaving her mom, who caused a lot of those negative emotions by asking her to hide her sexuality from her yeah. grandfather, who wasn't supportive of her girlfriend, who was <laughs> constantly critical of her because mm-hmm. that's how she shows love. And the daughter wasn't receiving it as love. 
So I just thought it was interesting because I do, I think there are times where someone should lovingly separate mm-hmm. from a parent yes. or a sibling. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, to one thing you said, so I thought the, like the final act was nihilism versus existentialism, which is, and they mm-hmm. both start from the same thing, which is nothing matters. Mm-hmm. And nihilism is therefore take your baseball bat and smash everything, mm-hmm. and fucking who cares, it doesn't matter, and that was, you know, stab your husband, sign the divorce papers, and that was another thing that I really liked about it, is that the drama of one universe was paired with the relative normalness of the other, and so, like, you, they were showing the emotional, that was one of my favorite, like, short clips where she stabs him and signs the paper, um, I thought that was just cool. To yeah, see. I'm not convinced that anything happened except for outside of the, her first reality, I thought the rest could have just been a metaphor or what she was dealing mm-hmm. with, like a parallel well, yeah, and he, symbolism. I, also, the weakest part of the movie to me was the fact that he got stabbed and just shook it off in that other well, universe. That's what I'm saying, which like, makes sense <laughs> if it's not actually a multiverse, but it's a metaphorical representation of what she's experiencing. Yeah, well, I, I guess I wasn't following the rules of this one as rigidly as I might another time travel movie. <laughs> it sure. was no, like, no, I yeah. was just saying that I think perhaps the only one that was quote-unquote real was mm-hmm. the first one. But well, it, actually, but that wasn't so... It was like, yeah, it was like the first one, but then they go home and she doesn't punch the woman in the mouth. Like I, I tried doing the timeline. It is a little bit wonky because the first one, she punches Deirdre in the mouth. Mm. And so it's actually a totally different universe that oh, they come back to in the third act, which is the first universe, except she just goes home. Yeah. Um, but do you want to go into, you said, so that's nihilism is break everything. And, then and existentialism, existentialism is, is nothing matters. Uh Therefore, choose what matters, you know, and and find beauty in small moments. And um, even, I don't know, so much of it I liked. Uh, and yeah, the, the nihilistic part, which is like where she just destroys everything in every universe. In the hot dog hands, she's mean to her. She rats out Rakakuni, which I fucking loved. <laughs> I loved everything with Rakakuni. Um, and then existentialism is she connected with people in mm-hmm. those universes and did her best to yeah. make amends and... That's the big. That's the big lesson of Landmark Forum. Actually, if people don't know what Landmark Forum is, it's like a forty-eight hour Tony Robbins esque event where you go into a room and they have speakers, and it's meant to be personal development weekend that changes your life forever. And the whole, I don't, I don't know, spoilers. I guess if you want to go to Landmark, but the whole weekend <laughs> is actually just primed to have you experience positive existentialism mm-hmm. instead of just understanding it intellectually. It's all the whole thing is just a choreographed dance that's sometimes meant to make you happy, angry, sad, whatever, but just leads you to this moment where you experience genuinely, I can assign whatever meaning I want. And so I can decide that when I was beaten by my dad, he's not necessarily a good person, but for me, it was a blessing because I took these positive away. And it's like, yeah, in hindsight, Mm -hmm. would most people choose not to have had it happen? If you had a time machine, would you go back and make it not have happened? Maybe yes to all these things, but given that you can't, the philosophy of landmark at least is uh, a sign meaning that makes you happy, fulfilled, able to move forward in a positive way. And so I thought the, the, the movie touched on that theme well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could go on, but, but basically the, the dramatization of life lessons where she fights them with kindness, where her daughter is being sucked into a black hole of nihilism and she pulls her out. Um, with the dad pulling her and the and like the big moment of victory is when she says stop calling me evelyn i'm your mother i was just mm-hmm. like this is uh the way that it dramatized um the seriousness of family relations i just i thought was great 
And I'm trying to think. I liked the rock scene. I liked mm-hmm. just be a rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. The only, th- I mean, whether it was entertaining or not, the message, the only message thing that I thought was interesting was their decision to stay together, which I think is much more case by case family decision than it is a blanket. You should just always forgive your mom because she gave birth to you, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying is what they were saying, but that was something that I walked away considering is depending on what this relationship looks like for all of the years that we haven't seen giving her a hug saying I love you and I forgive you and I understand that everything you are is part of your trauma and I'm moving out mm-hmm. could be the right answer sure sure um I totally agree Justin what did you think because you loved it you saw it over and over yeah I mean I I agree with a lot of Charlie's sentiments I think <laughs> totally unrelated to the metaphor um, I think their last movie, did you guys see their last movie? Uh, well, Swiss Army Man. And Daniel Radcliffe gives this monologue that was along the same lines as the rock part, but it was just way cringier. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think they, they did a really good job of skirting the line between, like, playfulness and self-importance in this one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard to do. I think a lot of movies that, that tackle um, ideas like this would probably tend to veer towards the self-important mm-hmm. kind of zone. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that the fact that they decided to make the uh, the representation for, like, the bleakness of everything and everything bagel, mm-hmm. I thought, like, just those choices were awesome. Sure. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. even if it's not self-important, it is tough. Like, Donnie Darko is a very philosophical movie. It's also very dark. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do right, yeah. philosophy and... And keep it light. Keep it light. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I wanted to bring it up because I've never heard two people endorse a movie as strongly as you guys so yeah. i watched it just so we could talk about it so and the, the one other theme that i liked was that i'm reminded of was um the whole time her relationship with her husband she looks at him like a loser mm-hmm. and at the end she sees his value which is you know being nice that was the cringiest part of the movie for me which is white he gets stabbed please you know be nice i was just like oh man two on the nose that was the one time that they crossed the the line for me of having someone recite their philosophy mm. in a moment where it didn't make sense instead of having it be implied, which it was, I thought, like, as I rewatched it, I was like, man, you could cut this, have him behave a little bit differently and and still get the same effect. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit too much. Um, but, yeah, her seeing his value as he, you know, constantly talked people off the ledge throughout the, throughout the movie, you know, gave, gave Deirdre a cookie and... Um, when Deirdre says, you know, it's bitches like us that make the world go round and she has a different perspective on it. I thought it was all real philosophies that people live by and really well, like steel manned was the other thing that I thought. Because you don't often get, it's it's when there's a battle of philosophies in movies, it's often like <laughs> communism and they're all fucking poor and in bread lines and everything's terrible. And then capitalism comes and stomps on them because it's better. And I thought, I thought it... Uh, steel manned nihilism very well as well so cool cool what else you got you might not like it just to be clear this movie is not for everybody so mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily go see it the the other thing as i'm sure you heard roe v wade got <laughs> got repealed mm-hmm. so there's a lot to talk about there uh i think the the thing that i'm finding most well there's a lot actually i won't rank it but one one thing i'm finding so interesting is that for roe v wade it got repealed a lot of people are feeling mobilized on social media or even protests in the street or giving speeches at rallies. I haven't seen a lot of people focusing that energy towards the November elections. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court, 
it made a ruling interpreting the existing laws, and then it revoked the ruling or changed the ruling based on the existing laws. But they're not actually supposed to legislate from the bench, and you can take their power away if you just make the law actually happen. Mm-hmm. Voter turnout is awful in the U.S., and so it's just interesting to me because if if people really, really want abortion to be a just nationally protected right, if 100% of Democrats showed up and voted in the midterm elections, I think that would happen almost instantly because we already have a Democratic president. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing to me will be to see who is up in arms about this that doesn't show up to vote in November. Because mm-hmm. that, to me, if you can't spend the day casting a vote, mm-hmm. which is not a particularly arduous thing, then it's not really that important to you. Or you haven't figured out that that's the whole solution. So you just have a Democratic Senate or a Democrat Senate, Congress president, and you legislate. And they can't filibuster because you have a majority everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you never have to worry about the Supreme Court again. Because the Supreme Court's not changing. It's mm-hmm. going to be... 6-3 for a, for a little bit, you know? So I just thought that was interesting is I haven't seen a lot of people immediately pivoting this to, if you care about this, show up in November. Mm-hmm. If you care about this, show up in November. Just say that 100,000 times. If you don't show up in November, you are condemning this to exist. Like yeah. you are causing this if you don't show up. Your apathy creates this. And I think that would be more useful than just the unfocused anger. Yeah, I, uh, it's just occurring to me that, oh, sorry, one more thing on the flip side, if the Republicans do that and then they get a Republican president, mm-hmm. they'll just ban abortions nationwide. Well, not, so, you mean in 2024? Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. So like Democrats can do this now. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and then Republicans do this in 2024, they'll just ban abortion nationwide. Mm-hmm. So the, the next front of the battle that's going to be much more permanent is actually legislating a law and mm-hmm. not asking the Supreme Court to be the arbiter of this. Yeah. It's like, unlike something like homelessness, where like there's going to be different approaches, like the Democrats are going to spend money, but maybe they'll spend it poorly. Maybe, maybe, and that won't solve it. And it, This is one of those things where it's very, it's a very clear transition to law. It's like, this is legal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do this. It's not a matter of how much are we going to spend on it or aren't we? It's like, no, you have the right to go make this happen. So it does seem like if you wanted to become a single issue voter, this particular thing, the translation to this person says they're going to go get this and it's going to happen seems much more connected to my candidate's going to solve homelessness. Right, which you they know, might like, not be able which to. They like, might, you see crazy yeah. shit like someone who said, you know, if uh, if Bill Gates gave away 10% of his <laughs> yeah, wealth, yeah, yeah, he would yeah, solve yeah, yeah, homelessness yeah. forever. You're like, your budget as the government is much more than what you're asking for. Why don't you just solve homelessness? They can't. You know, it's empty rhetoric. But for this issue, yeah, you, you really... You get the majority everywhere, you get the president, and then you make legislation. And the reason that hasn't happened is because there's often been a mismatch who has the majority where versus who has the president. But that's because voter turnout is 50%. -hmm. If you just get that to 90%, you're good. Yeah. So I think people wanted us to talk about, my guess is like abortion. They might not have seen us talk about it in the past. But broadly, this is a tough issue because for some people— it's murdering babies. And for some people, as Louis C.K. says, it's taking a shit. And for some people, it's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, you know, at what point, and it, maybe it's a sliding scale, does a quote-unquote fetus become a quote-unquote person? And uh, if it's a person from the moment of conception, then the 14th Amendment also applies to the fetus, which has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of Yeah, but the problem is that people don't treat it like that 
all the time. Of course. And so, the, so, and so at some point between it's conceived and it's having its eighth birthday or, in, or you know, it's, it's exiting the, the birth canal, something happens and it seems to occur on a spectrum, not on a, at a particular point. Yeah, but we've talked about this. Like you can't, there's certain laws about how you can raise your baby once it's, you know, born mm-hmm. that in terms of you have to take care of it and be safe around it. And, but there's no negligence for while you're pregnant. Like the, there's not actually a principle of let's treat this like a baby in all aspects as soon as conception. I agree. And that, that's an inconsistency, which is if you which are why someone- I think most people don't actually think that or treat it that way. They would freak out when they saw pregnant people smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol. Or having any sort of miscarriage. Those would be investigated in the same way that a negligent homicide would be investigated for a three-year-old. Like, okay, maybe there was nothing done wrong here, but maybe you weren't healthy. Yeah, and obviously you have to, a lot of them are nothing's done wrong. But we're just saying, philosophically, if you're, if you're going to yeah. say that it's a person the moment it's conceived, you would inve- you investigate every murder. You, ju- you just investigate them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 people aren't consistent in that philosophy, I think. And then, you know, pro-choice is, just from a philosophical standpoint, has to at least attempt to answer the question because there's a lot of, this is not a baby, this is not a baby. And, the, well, the question is when, you know what I mean? Like, at eight months, is it? At, you know, is it the moment that it exits the birth canal? And obviously those provide, um, those provoke further questions, which is like, why now and not a little bit before? Mm-hmm. Best I can come up with is similar to what the Supreme Court did, which is still sloppy because they did fetal viability, I think, in the Planned Parenthood case, which is like, that just, that is a cultural shifting technological stopgap because fetal viability is going to exist from the moment of conception pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, hopefully like, at some point they all have the technology to do. go in there non-invasively. And- well, even, or let's <laughs> say that you're, I mean, this would be wild, but let's say that you're infertile, but they can take your DNA from other parts of your body and they can use that to create a sperm. And then they can take skin cells from your wife and turn that into an egg. And then you can have a baby, even if you've Let's say you had an accident as a kid, right? You just, when you were 14, you lost your ability to produce reproductive sperm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. Technologically, you're fine now. It's like, well, okay, wait, when I kill a skin cell, like if I pop a pimple, did I just kill a baby? Because well, it has the ability to. Well, not necessarily because viability, I mean, they would say when it's united, but even this, imagine well, that no, you're, a lot of people say when it can survive outside of the womb. Imagine this. So yeah. And what does that mean? With the assistance of how much technology. So say that you work at like a, um, a clinic at one of these places and you've taken, you know, your sperm, your girlfriend's egg, whatever, and there's 10,000 of these in a refrigerator and some guy by accident pulls the cord out and doesn't realize and 10,000 babies die. Well, no, you're actually, <laughs> just to be clear, you're, you're raising actually a less ridiculous, more important point, which is if you do in vitro, you often mm-hmm. fertilize multiple eggs and then you see which take mm-hmm. because you are doing this out of the body. And so there are ones that don't take, but there are yeah. ones that do. And sometimes three take, and you want one kid. Mm-hmm. So, well, now you can't do that. You can't do that procedure. You would have to embed them all, or else you've committed murder. Well, my guess is pro-lifers are okay with that. What I'm trying to find are the cases where pro-choice goes, oh, oh no, shit, pro-life I don't like is okay with yeah, it. What yeah. I'm saying is you just got rid of all of the people who have had in vitro yeah. babies because for one reason or another, they weren't able to. Like now they can't have kids. You remove their ability to have kids because they can't do it in this way. No, it's another interesting thing is like, let's say, and I don't know if this is the case, but if you take fertility pills, you're more likely to have twins. And I'm not sure if this is 100% the case, but it, it is possible that if you're more likely, like I know people that took fertility pills and had like four babies in the womb and they weren't trying to, but like two of them didn't make it or had things and then two survived and had full lives. Um, if you take fertility pills and that makes it more likely that children miscarry mm-hmm. or die in the womb, is that then like 
I don't know, reckless endangerment of of child life from a pro-lifer's perspective. The point is, what I see on social media from both sides is philosophically not very rigorous in its um, sloganeering, you know? Mm-hmm. Even, like, my body, my choice is... Uh, has been co-opted by both sides. It's like, oh, my body, my choice. Why do I have to take a vaccine? Well, my body, you know, like all of these things come back, um, I guess because that's what works on social media is memes and not well yeah, thought yeah. out arguments. No, and, and what's funny is they are, if pressed, most people's fall apart. Some people probably do have thoughtful answers, but it is interesting to see the same people who are going, the government can't force me to do something I don't want to do. They can't force me to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. That's my right. But they also have to force you to have a baby. It's like, well, wait, where does the government's, where do you want the government to force you to do stuff? And where do you want the government to not be allowed to tell you what you have to do? Like, where do you think your personal freedoms end? And you go, oh, in a very arbitrary, unprincipled line where you've decided what behaviors you want and don't want in the world. And then you just assign them to what the government should and shouldn't police. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think broadly, I wonder if a good question just to get people going is like, if you're pro-choice, a good question for you to answer is like, what responsibilities do you have towards a fetus and when? You know what I mean? Because that's it, like, or a baby and when. Um, and to be able to answer that question, I think is really important. <laughs> and I guess if you're pro-life, it's, you know, what freedoms do you have around bodily autonomy? And they could say, you know, never at any point. Is it three minutes before the sperm hits or a second before the sperm hits the egg? I mean, what is your founding belief that the soul enters the cell at the very moment that the sperm and the egg collide. Um, what happens in the case of the 19-year-old kid at the fertility clinic who pulls the club, the cord out of 10,000 fertilized eggs and commits genocide on a scale that has never been heard of because those all, should he, I mean, just instantly face the death penalty as the biggest mass murderer since, I fucking know, some politician, <laughs> Pol Pot or something, mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un. Um, these would be, uh, I think, I don't know, enrich your perspective and understanding. The other thing that I see is other, uh, mostly the one side that I see on my social media feed is people that are very, very pro-choice. So I don't get to see the, the crazies on the other side, which I'm 100% sure are out there. But they don't seem to understand the arguments against. They don't seem to, to um, be interested yeah. In understanding the argument. Well, that's against. true of the other, but that's true of the other that's, side. Well, that, of course. The other true, side, I saw sense. a woman, I saw a congresswoman who said, if you don't want to have a baby, just control who ejaculates inside of you. She's like, mm-hmm. do you, do you not think that a huge percentage of women get raped? Like, it's shocking when you figure out what the numbers are. Like, they didn't have a vote, but Oklahoma just said that you can't get an abortion even if you're raped. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're fighting a straw man. Because you just want your side to sound good. So I think both. I think it's definitely not just a one side thing. With the rape and and, and uh, ectopic pregnancies, I do feel that that's a red herring for a lot of people. Because oh, Oklahoma just passed it, and there there will be others that follow. I guess what I'm saying is those are used as the most extreme cases. But it's like, what if I could guarantee you that every state in America for all of time would allow for abortion in cases of rape? Or in cases of well, I think uh, this is ectopic pregnancy. The I think this of the mother. is the problem, though, is you can't assume that. I mean, literally concurrent with this opinion, one of the Supreme <laughs> Court justices says we should reevaluate gay marriage, sodomy, and birth control pills. But like there is <clears throat> a, I guess that's not the reality. Is that the sides are coming together to agree? The state of Oklahoma, you just straight up 
they, they, they signed it. The dude's name is uh, Kevin Stitt. He said, I don't care if you got raped. You can't have an abortion after six weeks, which you might not even know you're pregnant mm-hmm. five weeks in. Well, I'm not saying this from a legal perspective. I'm saying it from a philosophical perspective. The people will argue the validity of their perspective by citing ectopic pregnancies, and that's, that's why well, I we think need they're it. Concer- I think that's because they're genuinely concerned that that isn't off the table. And to be clear, it's obviously not one state already down, and I think more to follow. What if, and I know that this isn't the case, mm-hmm. that was taken care of, would you be satisfied? And the answer is often no. So it's like, okay, let's talk about the contentious Well, I, But I think when you're fighting for a law or a rule, you, are, you try to start with what you think is the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And they can't even get national protection for rape victims. Sure. So if, they're like, can we fucking agree here? And people are going, no. Not only can you not, but actually, hey, in some states, we already made it illegal a second we were able to. And they go, fuck, well, we have to start the fight here. We can't just assume, let's talk in the middle. It's like, can we get this? Can we just get not rape victims? So I actually understand why you would start there. Because if you can't get that, you're not getting, you're not going to have a conversation about anything. Uh, I Yes, I'm not approaching it from a practical changing mind. I'm approaching it from a, you're talking to someone who disagrees with you. Let's go to the core of the disagreement, which is essentially you want the right to abort for any reason up until a certain point. Let's, yeah, let's, would, let's realistically talk about what we're shooting for. And again, you can't you still, assume good but, faith on either side. Yeah, yeah, I think if you're in a conversation, you would still start yeah. with like, well, let's start with the extremes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that I should be able to have an abortion after I give birth? No. Okay, let's start with the extremes. Do you think I should be able to have an abortion if I get raped? Yes. Okay, now we can like slowly... Mm-hmm meet in the middle. I actually do think that's a solid way to have a good faith debate. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mind that if you're sitting down with a friend and you guys disagree on this to start at where you agree seems like a good way to end up in the middle without having started screaming at each other. So sure. I wouldn't necessarily jump to where you think the middle is. Um, one of the questions that I have for people, and, and there's, there's a lot of ways to answer it. This isn't like a gotcha is what if in Oklahoma, 60% of the people think and vote, and they're being represented by their uh, leaders, mm-hmm. that that is what they want, that they want. Even in the case of this, the perspective by the majority is that it's um, a fully-fledged human being, or at least close enough to one to not warrant a uh, allowing an abortion. Well, yeah, you're, so we're kind of jumping around, but you're, you just touched on something that I think is uh, going to fall out of this, and the future stuff that may be coming is the picking an echo chamber suddenly becomes very important. Mm-hmm. Like we often talk about diversity of ideas and how important it is to hear the other side. It's like people might have to pick geographic echo chambers just to get the rights that they want mm-hmm. or the policies that they want. And so you, yeah, if that's what, if 75% of the state thinks something you don't think, you might just have to bounce and you might just have to have states that are so philosophically homogeneous that it's not 75% Republican or 60% Republican. It's a hundred percent because- you, you're going to have to go find a place that has all the same beliefs as you so that you can be governed in the way that you want. Yeah, and I'll say the obvious, which I know you believe is, again, not everyone has that freedom to just pick up and right. move well, that's, three, but, 400 miles away. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And the other thing that I was actually, I don't have an answer to, but I was just thinking about is like federal government, I understand, rule over all the states, but then you kick it to the quote-unquote local level, which is state level. Mm-hmm. Why not have counties? decide their own abortion laws or well, towns decide their own abortion. And I, I, 
So here's why. It's because the job of the government is to provide at any level a baseline floor. This is what the Constitution is of you can't take this shit away. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if the majority all say, let's go to Ben's house and take his stuff. Mm-hmm. 99 to 1. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. And this is the thing with abortion is like, well, no, this is why. But the, the country majority of people, I think, do want some form of abortion to be available. I could be wrong on that. But last I checked, I thought that's what it was. Sure. But that's it, not what the Supreme Court does. They don't do, they don't look at the populace. They are supposed to interpret the law. Well, they're also not asking everyone in the world, which might vote, no, abortion shouldn't be legal. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Islamic <laughs> yeah, yeah. places out there. Um, but I'm saying you could be in a country where the majority of people were pro-choice mm-hmm. and the federal government didn't protect abortion. Pro-choice, correct. And this is, yeah, this is... A, to be clear, we live in a world that has a collective belief in a country that has a, you know, and it might well, this go, is my point. no, so a, yes, no, so yes, have a all world, the way down. a country, and <laughs> yeah. a state, and we go, state seems good. It's like, mm-hmm. it seems pretty arbitrary. They're literally invisible lines. They were drawn up a long time ago. Why do we do it this way? Why not? Why don't we do it by county? Well, this is to me why you have to have the philosophical discussion first, which is because if you want to just... There are certain laws that it is easier to say, we'll do it by a county level. Fucking, you can decide this in the privacy of your own home if you want. We don't care. We've got nothing to say about if you're allowed to yell at your kid. <laughs> you know, like some people think it's okay. Some people don't. Should kids be in timeout? There's no laws on the books. Mm-hmm. You could time them out or not time them out. Give them a creation corner, <laughs> right? We, let, we have a ton of leeway for that. Mm-hmm. The idea is that the, at, the, at the broadest level of um, we're going to force this upon everyone is human rights and constitutional protections and this is why you have to have a philosophical question or answer to when does the fetus become meaningfully a person because if they're a u.s citizen they also have the right the 14th amendment to due process and mm-hmm. life liberty and justice so yeah you're asking at which level of government we should be making these these answers and the question is is it a person or not because if it's a person human rights you know, and, and the answer is at the highest level. That's where we should decide that. But even with other issues like weed, they do it by state level, mm-hmm. which I think is just odd. Let's say that you live in Tennessee and you live in Nashville and everyone in Nashville thinks weed should be legal and everyone in the rural parts of Tennessee thinks it shouldn't. Yeah. Like why have we, it's just such an arbitrary line, the state lines. I feel this way about the electoral college, which I also think is stupid and outdated. It's just that mm-hmm. there are these arbitrary lines that are very important some of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it seems to be because, yeah, why the state and not the local level? And, and and I think this is what, I think there's a good tension here that happens when states fight the federal government and the federal, like, I think it seems to be important. But fundamentally, you've got two different views, like with weed, which is, this is the devil's, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this is the devil's drink that makes that is Overdosing of, on fentanyl. And not just you, the society degenerates mm-hmm. if we allow this. It's worse for everybody, is the belief. And then there's other people that go, this has nothing to do with anybody else. This is my own personal well, choice. I think you could probably just look at the data for that, though, right? There are places where it's legal. And you could just say, are more people dying of heroin? Are there more violent crimes? Sorry, to be clear, I'm totally down for weed to be legal. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm saying that's not necessarily why people are against it. It's because they've looked at the outcomes and don't like them. I think it's more of a of a unthinking, dataless gut reaction. And probably a status quo in that particular regard. If they, oh, no, probably if, the propaganda they had during the Reagan administration. Well, the new drugs like ketamine that are new 
are just legal in most in much in more mm-hmm. places. So I actually think it's a status quo thing where it's it's on the books. We'd have to change it. We've always felt this way. Versus here's new X Y Z thing that has way bigger of an effect on people uh, and you, maybe even less clinical data. It's, it's legal, yep. you know. So um, what's yeah? What's up with crypto? No regulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this more destructive than weed? Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm for crypto as well, but it also has. Uh, cost a lot of people a lot of money when they gambled on it. So, and even I don't know how to run governments local or otherwise. I do think that the the core question is when does a fetus become a person and therefore when do human rights of the fetus supersede that of the woman and when does the human rights of the woman supersede that of the fetus? Mm-hmm. When you can answer those questions, then you'll know whether this needs to be a federal estate issue. Yeah, I also think what's interesting is that you I haven't seen any trickle-down laws being sub- suggested yet, which you would think would be very important. So, for instance, in this case of Oklahoma, where the guy already signed off on, doesn't matter if you got raped, shouldn't the penalty for rape suddenly skyrocket? Because now not only are you creating all of the trauma and damage that we always knew occurred, but you're also forcing someone to have a baby that they might not want with a person they probably despise, Hmm. you'd think the penalty for this act should skyrocket, right? It should be way, considered a way more heinous crime that we penalize much more harshly. If there is- Because the punishment inflicted on that The damage you're doing now, the damage you were doing was already all the damage in the moment and the psychic damage for the rest of their life potentially. And now we're saying on top of that, there's new damages, which is that person has to have a baby that they don't want, that they weren't planning for at an age where they, you don't know their age. Mm -hmm. And- with a person that they probably absolutely hate. So you, you would think you go, well, this became a much worse act. So now it needs a much higher penalty in the same way that murder has a high, higher penalty than assault. Well, it's almost the difference between attempted murder and murder, which is meaning the rape occurred, you're going to be charged for that. But then there was an attempted forced impregnation mm-hmm. versus, oh, you you achieved that forced impregnation. And they can't, impregnation. now they and can't now she stop cannot, it. Yeah. So, so to me, I go- So that could be legislated into law and you could get- It seems like time. if you're yeah. operating under a principle where, where penalties fit the severity of a crime, mm-hmm. the severity of this crime has changed for sure. In particular states. And in particular in states. Yeah, and so yeah. those, you'd think those states should very naturally have a secondary effect of, yeah, we, the, the penalty for this should rise. That makes sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting. So I haven't seen that yet. And then obviously there are false allegations. So now all of a sudden, it, it all, the stakes for everything just just go up now. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you think that it's extremely important to protect uh, inseminated egg as soon as it's inseminated, I think you have to go, yeah, now, well, now we have to protect women from this being forced upon them mm-hmm. because of this, because of the law we passed. Yeah. So but I haven't seen anyone talking about that yet. What's a bummer? And I guess this is, on the one hand, isn't, isn't a bummer, but that if you told me the religious practices of a Supreme Court justice, I could use that as a, like... How do they interpret the one law? One-to-one prediction yeah. of what the Constitution says and doesn't say? Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You, ideally, <laughs> I, you guys are interpreting be, the Constitution in good faith, but... And I'm sure it's not one-to-one. I'm sure there's... there's um, But it's it's up there. It's And that's a bummer that... But also, could it be any other way? Could people read any document through any lens other than their fundamental beliefs about how the universe works, which is what religion fills in the gap for? So, of course, that's the case. 
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's another thing the Supreme Court ruled on, which was that you saw this football field, this coach in high school, this football Some coach, or public something. school, he prays on the 50-yard line at the end of games, and it's an option if players join or not. Mm-hmm. But he also invites journalists and state legislators. Like, it's a very public thing, so obviously students who want playing time feel pressured to go. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, is this an infringement on his religious freedoms that the school told him not to, or is this a violation of the separation of church and state that he's doing this at a public school? school. Because he could do this in a private school, no problem. And the school did give him a private room to pray in. They're like, you can pray right here whenever you want. It's a prayer room. Your religious freedoms are protected. Uh, And so it's interesting because the Supreme Court, not surprisingly, you know, they ruled in his favor as well. Because to your point, again, the Constitution is being interpreted through their faith or a lack of faith. I really want some mats facing Mecca to go down in some public schools That's what, for yeah. five times yeah, a day yeah, prayer yeah. ceremony and see how these guys feel about that. Yes, I agree. That's that's the natural consequences. How would you feel about this if it weren't a Christian coach? How would you feel if it were? What if it was the Church of Satan? Yeah, or just uh, and he was a religion that Bahamut, you don't like. Or Baphomet for, uh, you know, for causing the, the suffering of his enemy. Like, this is... Uh, here's... I'm actually down for a ruling that says this is okay. But my problem is that I sense that it's only okay because he shares the same religion as the people who legislated Mm -hmm. it. I'm fine with other ways of arriving at that ending (laughs) other than this is my religion. I like it. It's cool. Yeah. I watch Friday Night Lights. They're all religious anyway. Who cares? Mm -hmm. But I think that that's also impossible to take out, which is, and this is is the problem with uh, religion is as the Church of Satan has effectively, and you know, it's done very well. It's like, if you're going to have all these special accommodations made for religion where you don't have to pay taxes and you can believe anything you want, really, and it can, uh, if you're if you're the uh, Church of Dimos, you can do ayahuasca, you can do Schedule One drugs. If you're mm-hmm. <laughs> this thing, you could do all kinds of weird other stuff that would otherwise be illegal. You create, yeah, these special exceptions that, that need to be, everyone needs to respect, but not everybody has access to. Like, what if I want to do ayahuasca and not have to worry about uh, getting arrested for it. it. What if I want to do MDMA and and pass around a hat afterwards? And if you want to give me $4,000 in exchange for that experience, you're welcome to. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's a problem. But but I guess if you just zoom out fundamentally is the problem is not religion. The problem is that you have people in a country trying to make rules under the same roof, which is one of them thinks Jesus is my savior. 
he's the reason of everything good. God created the earth. He did it in six days. It's 6,000 years old. Uh, this is how women are supposed to be. This is what we do with babies who are instantly created upon conception. And this mm-hmm. is how it, and then other people that don't think that, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then people who think all other sorts of things, it's very tough to form a consensus. Yeah. This one I thought was especially interesting because I, so the idea is that he, they're projecting his Christian faith, mm-hmm. which is pretty explicitly based on the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. So the book says, don't do this at the 50-yard line. Don't mm-hmm. invite journalists to do this. So they protected his right to express his interpretation of the religion, mm-hmm. but not even if it didn't follow the book, which I, I think be, is interesting. But you, I guarantee you there's a line in the Bible, probably six of them, that says, pray at the 50-yard line, tell well, everybody. So this is my thing. <laughs> is what does it mean to protect someone's religious freedom if both of those are true? It means however they interpret it. Well, the Bible's got everything in it. <laughs> the Bible this, has so this the Bible has genocide and This is what I'm saying. So how do you, if you're not going to go necessarily line by line in the book, but you're mm-hmm. going to protect someone's religious freedoms and you're going to do it for all religions... Mm-hmm it seems very open-ended what someone can claim is because of their religion. I mean, we, and we see this with Scientology and we see this with... It doesn't seem rigorous at all. It seems, uh, and maybe this is what the court should be, I don't know, but it's, it's obviously because it's the primary religion of America, mm-hmm. because it's a way that people are used to seeing that expressed in America, it seems very culturally informed and not like a special exception is being made because of the cultural moment we are in where Christianity is popular and this is one way that it is often expressed and all of these other things that uh, this principle would not therefore apply to people praying towards Mecca five times a day mm-hmm. uh, in public, uh, at a public school. Yeah, yeah, just bouncing out of class. Just saying, oh, I can't be here right now. I got to leave. No, and, and I have to be at the 50-yard line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not only can I not be here, I have to be front and center yeah. and uh by the way you know the state senator is going to be here as well because he's going to do it with me yeah that yeah unfortunately i think that even the th- the thing with this one which i think is interesting is because it is about the separation of church and state but also it ostensibly is about protecting the kids who don't feel this religion but now have to fake it for playing time is that's already happening mm-hmm. if this guy hates jews and you show up in a yarmulke you're not getting playing time like he doesn't even hate Jews. he just needs to really prefer like, the christians yeah, yeah. yeah so that's what i'm saying it's like this the difference between this and the abortion law for me because i saw them both being brought up in in the same conversation was that we're saying kids have to now fake something or lie to adults in order to get the outcome they want which i go that's pretty much the public school experience <laughs> yeah, <It's> like, <laughs> yeah i was gonna say are we gonna pretend that's new but that's what i'm saying like that's just that's just what we ask teenagers to do all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I thought at, uh, at the end of the day, I think it's a very, it's not a great way for the Supreme Court to be operating so faith-based instead of looking for what the books say. But in this one, I go, yeah, these kids were just fucked the second that they went to a public school where their coach wanted to do this. Because even if he was restricted from doing this, he would do it in the locker room or he wouldn't do it, but he would have all the same prejudices, yeah. which kind of goes back to like, yeah, if you're sending your kid to public school, you have to look for an echo chamber again. It's mm-hmm. not it's not what you necessarily want for the most educated 
philosophically sound society. What you want is to be able to have conversations with the other side, but you're like, well, fuck, I need my kid to get a lacrosse scholarship. So he needs to play on the lacrosse team. So if he's not Christian, he can't have a super Christian coach who's biased against non-Christians. So it's like, let's go find a school where the lacrosse coach doesn't care about your religion. It just becomes very important to hunt down new things all of a sudden, or maybe things that we'd like to pretend weren't there the whole time. I don't know if it's special because I wasn't alive, but yeah, it does feel like the nation is real big and a lot of people think a lot of different things and we don't have that uh, undisputed number one in the world status that we all just stand behind. And there's not, I don't know, but I wonder if you were to track the percentage of Americans that believed in a shared mythology, whether it was religious or political or anything else, it does feel like that is fracturing into, but yeah, all these people who have different ways of being and want to be governed accordingly. And is the answer to force a federal law to try to get everybody under one roof? Well, obviously there's there's value to that, but there's also, you don't want to have to be in a school necessarily where the coach is praying. And on the flip side, you don't want to be in a school where the coach can't pray <laughs> if, if that's how you feel. So I am just going to move far away yeah, yeah. <laughs> from every, this is where I, I'm, I am becoming, I don't know if it's misanthropic, but uh, stubborn in my, like do what you want to do over there. And this is by the way, not a very uh, philosophically sound way to live because you can never separate yourself. And not everyone can do this. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm not, ex- I'm not saying everybody can do what I do, yep. but that's just the route that I see myself taking increasingly, which is like, you guys aren't going to figure out homelessness in Santa Monica. I'll leave. You know well, what I mean? That's the worst part to me about this is the governor that signed this in, if he has an affair and the mistress gets pregnant, he's just going to come to California and have her get an abortion. Oh, like yeah. it's, it's, so if you live in a liberal state, as long as it's state by state, as long as there isn't a red wave that makes federally banned abortions, then you're fine in terms of you can get your abortion. And anyone who's wealthy in a red state can always just travel and get an abortion. And so this just really hurts the poor who live in states that ban abortions and want to be able to get abortions. So if you're poor and you're anti-abortion and you're pro-life and you weren't going to get one anyway, you're also unaffected. But there's this population of people who can't afford the travel or the time off work or the means, whatever, who are pro-choice, and now they're the only people who actually have to suffer the consequences. But all the legislators, all the, the sons and daughters of the Supreme Court justices that made this law, if they want to, they'll just get on a first-class flight, go somewhere for a week-long vacation, and come back not pregnant. Like, they're, they are... It reminds me of when the uh, when Newsom was going to restaurants during COVID. Yeah. Like the the they're not beholden to even follow the their policies. There's a deep understanding that the negative side effects of this will not apply <laughs> to, to anyone who signed to legislation near them. To anyone yeah, yeah. related to the Supreme Court justices. Yeah. Like they're like, oh yeah, of course we should pass this into law, mm-hmm. bro. If your daughter gets raped, I promise you're on a fucking flight to California with her. Like well, some some might not. Some might not, yeah. but some will. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's like so obvious that people are going to be like, duh, but that's terrifying because they are making policies for other people that can't escape it the way they can. Well, this is, yeah, you want, you want people. I want you to suffer the consequences of the rules that you make for everyone else. But actually not always. This is the problem because then you would never have, and I know this like 
you would never go to war. And I know that sounds, oh, that's utopian, but the other country would, <laughs> right? Because they're, no, they're not playing by that same rule the, book. If you are the U.S. president and you declare a draft, your sons have to be eligible. Sure. You may not have to be eligible because you're the president and we need mm-hmm. you in your role, but no, 100%. You have a 19-year-old son. We put his name in the draft. But what if that makes him less likely to go into a war that we need to, what if that makes him less likely to enter into World War II? Because he's unwilling. You, like, you do Don't need, do a draft. You need a dispassion. Sometimes you need cold, Sometimes, dispassionate yeah. leadership that is unaffected by the emotional outcome that will inevitably happen. You need someone who is above it. Sometimes. And I sometimes wonder, actually, how much of World War II was, was draft versus people enlisting because they believed in the cause. I don't know. But but the the point because the big draft war that I think of is Vietnam, and mm-hmm. I think if we weren't allowed to go because no one wanted to great. go, it seems fine. Mm-hmm. So I, let's look it up because I'm actually what you might have is you can only have wars that you can convince the populace are good ideas. After 9/11, people enrolled. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a draft. People went to Iraq and Afghanistan in large numbers. They were galvanized. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a bad policy where you can only go to war if you can convince the people that are dying for you that they. But then this, this law is also like if you put a tax on billionaires, you can't do that because that doesn't impact you. Like sometimes you need people to be able to make laws and legislation that doesn't impact them, that is good for everybody else. And sometimes they need to suffer the consequences. I'm not saying you can't make a law that doesn't impact you. I'm saying if you make a law that should impact you, it should impact you. You are a billionaire and a senator and you pass a billionaire tax law. You should have to pay the same. Taxes. Well, this is what they did is they said, hey, we're going to do a draft, but not if you're in college. You know what I mean? We're going to do a tax, but not if you have less than a billion dollars. So they just carve out. I'm following the principle. There's an exception to this principle Mm -hmm. that I fall into. Surprise, surprise. And so do my sons. So, yeah, I I don't know that this idea that, uh, yeah, that that it's going to impact you or needs to impact you holds up all the time. Though I do agree that, like in the case of COVID restrictions, that was one that people would have made better decisions if they suffered the consequences of their actions, as most people did. But Gavin Newsom got hungry and wanted to go have a nice night. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's bogus. Um, do you have other stuff? I do. This one's completely unrelated. You see Rudy Giuliani got assaulted. Oh, my God, dude. He nearly killed him. Yeah. You saw it? It's like a boulder. Yeah. So for if people you- who don't know what we're talking about, Rudy Giuliani got assaulted. He's pressing <laughs> federal felony charges. Here's the quotes. I feel a shot on my back like somebody shot me. It was like a boulder hit me. I went forward, but luckily I didn't fall. It knocked me forward a step or two. I mean, suppose I was a weaker 78-year-old man and I hit the ground, cracked my skull and died. So that is his statement with which he presses felony assault charges to a Rite Aid employee when he was in a Rite Aid. And then the Rite Aid footage leaked Mm -hmm. and the guy gave him such a light tap on the back. It was like he was trying to get his attention. Now, he didn't stumble yeah. at all. Yeah. By the way, he's given multiple speeches. Somewhere he stumbled forward. Somewhere somehow he was hit on the back, but he stumbled backwards. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The, the dude doesn't move. As soon as the footage was released, charges dropped from a felony to a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. Obviously massive for the guy who did it. And you shouldn't go around tapping random people. But if there's what if there's no footage? This guy has to go, what, against Rudy Giuliani and his friends who are all there as witnesses for him he goes to jail and then allegedly again so i have to say this always happens with any video footage we there might be parts of the video that were out that might be a second encounter that happened that might not be rudy giuliani in that black and white footage so you always have to with any video footage go i don't know if this is true at all but if it is the case and that captured the whole uh engagement with that guy 
uh, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's tr- actually so worrying about the entirety of his career, mm-hmm. about everything that he ever did, that level of vindictive, I will take you down because you have insulted me. Yeah, and I'm going to try to ruin your life. I will lie and and get the full force of the federal government against you because he also said, alleged, that he said some things that he can't repeat, and then somebody said he called him a scumbag. The police said that the report was that he called him a scumbag. That is repeatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, is- no, he said he, he said he called him a bunch of crazy stuff. and then the- Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but terrifying to think that that level of comfort with lying, and I know some people that follow the pol- politics closer, be like, oh, Rudy Giuliani's been doing this shit for years. But I don't know that there's ever been such, if this is the video, smoking gun video evidence of that level of abuse mm-hmm. of the system. And it's... Whew. We're pretty close, I think, to civilians just wearing ring ne- ring doorbell stuff on yeah. their neck at all times. Like, That's I have a dash cam. Awesome. Or I have a dash cam. It's how... When, when are we just getting dash cam necklaces? Because mm-hmm. if you're worried about police body footage not showing up, your politicians and the rich mm-hmm. necessarily just straight up lying and all of a sudden you're facing felony charges or something. It's like, what? we just need cheap surveillance all the time, I guess. And then people come out and be like, privacy. This yeah. is, you know, this is all the horror books that we've read about and go, yeah, I don't know what the alternative is when the only thing that kept this guy out of jail is that he happened to have been in a right aid. That in the had r- with the right angle. Yeah, in the right, he was in the correct aisle. Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, that was, if true, harrowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there are a few, that bald-faced lying with what I have to believe is a total understanding that, like, that's not two different interpretations of the same event. That is a targeted attempt to destroy someone who disrespected you mm-hmm. using muscle that is not your own. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's scary. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So, if, but also, I'm presuming that we captured the entirety of the thing in the video. It wasn't missing frames, all of that stuff that, you know, maybe 30 frames were cut out where he fell forward and (laughs) and then stood back up. I don't know. So, do you have more stuff? No, that's what I brought for us today. I bought some stuff. Oh, I, you didn't seem to care about this. I sent you an article that was, uh, Coleman Hughes had a guy on who was a data scientist at Reuters. You didn't even react. <laughs> no, I got no. I mean, this just. He was looking, long story short, he was looking at claims. He's a data scientist at Reuters, the news agency. Director of data science. Director right? of data scientists, of science, data science. And he was looking at some claims about during the BLM stuff about police violence with black people and was looking into the work of people like Roland Fryer and several others who have investigated some of the data mm-hmm. on. Uh, police encounters, homicides, etc. One of the big things that he uh, was found persuasive that the narrative that BLM was putting out was not uh, well representative of reality is that uh, while it is true that blacks are shot more per capita than uh, whites, which points towards, therefore, there must be some systemic racism, Mm -hmm. uh, even accepting the amount of violent crime committed, Police are more likely to die from black assailants than from white assailants at a at an amount that is higher than predicted by the amount of black people that are shot by police, which is to say that police, according to the data, are slightly less likely to shoot and kill 
uh, a black person who is presenting life threat to them, given how often that, you know, because we do have the data on when police are shot, the race, demographic, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, they're more likely to have uh, violent encounters not resulting in death with police officers, blacks and other minorities. So anyway, he gets, he goes into the data and he finds, he tries to interpret the data and sees what the data is saying. And it doesn't yeah. line up entirely with BLM. If people are curious, we'll, we'll link to the article. It's a really good, and so he goes in the Slack and he writs he's the fucking chief data scientist at a goes, news organization. He goes, hey guys, I looked at the data. <laughs> I looked at the data and he writes this long thing and he's got black intellectuals, including Roland Fryer from Harvard, who, um, who agree with him? Who who are who did not agree with him? Who did the studies? Well, yeah, I just like people yeah. aren't going to know who Roland yeah. Fryer is, so I just want to make sure you're sure. Sorry, who, who, does he disagree? Does he agree? You're saying Roland Fryer and this guy are on and the same page? And there's several others, and he's pulled aside out of HR. They take his post down. He can't do it. Long story short, he's canned mm -hmm. because you can't do that. And Reuters is seen as the mo the like least personal news reporting there is. It's just the facts. Yeah. And that to me But he knew that the culture of the company was to that, disagree with him. Yes. The reason he wrote it was specifically because he was seeing in the Slack and the hub for the company mm -hmm. a lot of people who vehemently disagreed with this belief. So he wasn't surprised when people disagreed with him. And he was the chief data scientist. Mm -hmm. So he was I'm doing his what, job. what surprised you about this? Because this here's this here. is exactly what I would have thought would happen. That which he is, wasn't bottom of the food chain. He was chief data scientist mm -hmm. like he had not chief a director sorry director of data science director uh, of data science important difference he actually wasn't I, the top I apologize. Of the, wasn't the top of the food chain he was just in the middle of the food chain that's high middle in my i guess i don't no. know the org structure no, it's just the middle he's making 350 grand he said uh sorry that i think is the top of the data science hierarchy was a director there are multiple directors of data science he was a director at Reuters. Okay. He was high, sure. high in, in the data science. This to me is exactly what I would expect to happen, which is a guy shares a an inflammatory belief. political belief yeah. that the people at his organization disagree with. They take it down, and instead of him just taking it on the chin and going, oh, I guess I don't get to share my opinion here, he fights it, and then they fire him and for being for difficult. It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what should happen, but you sent me this. You're like, can you believe this? I go, yeah, this is exactly what I would have predicted. I thought <laughs> foolishly that people in specific roles where they were tasked to look at data would have protections. No, no, this is, <laughs> I, I have a friend who's CEO of a pretty big company and he and I have discussed this there. When people say that they, they demand diversity at a company, it is specifically demographic diversity. It's not diversity of thought. He says that, there's no one asking him what percentage of the office is Christian versus Muslim versus atheist. There's no one asking for mm -hmm. the how many people vote right or left. Let's make sure we go 50-50 so that we have diverse ideas. He goes, no, they want, they want completely the opposite of diversity when it comes to ideas. They want just everyone to agree with them, and they want everyone to look different or have sex with different people. Mm -hmm. And that... That is my impression of how companies are operating today. So this company had a deep-seated belief that police kill black people disproportionately because based of, on racism. Yeah, yeah. He tries to show with data that that's not true, and they take it down. He repeals it. They tell him, you better stop fighting this fight. He doesn't stop fighting this fight. They fire him. But also, and what he said, which is that no one, no right one addressed his data, he said. He said, no, I no, was looking for substantive arguments about the data and all it was is, how can you do this? You're a white guy. And he said, you know, in parentheses, not 
pointing to the fact that almost many of the people whose work I had cited were black. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I guess, yeah, that these organizations are set up to quash, to not discuss this is just, it's truly impressive how deeply this ideology has infected these organizations to the point where they don't even need to argue with the data scientist about the merits of data in order to just. Yeah, I think this is happening all over America. I, yes, I think that's probably true. And it's wild how successful it's been. Um, it it's is, happening in the reverse, by the way. There's other com- companies that have different ideologies. And if you, if, you have, if you are in a company where everybody thinks that this isn't true mm-hmm. and you're the one sharing the data on how it is true that police have a racist bias, you're also getting fired. I guess here's what I'm... Here's, here's this is, why we're this going back me. to the echo chamber, dude. The, the yeah, world yeah. is demanding that if you want financial security from your mm-hmm. job, don't have different ideas from the people you work with. If you want the rights that you want from your government, live in a state that agrees to you. It's actually a very bizarre and I think not optimal trend for the country. Well, but it's saying if you disagree with people politically, you run the risk of getting fired, not getting playing time, mm-hmm. having certain rights taken away. So I think that's always just been don't. the case, though. Like communists yeah, that's why I, needed, we got rid of all the communists. I agree. That's why I was surprised. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I was surprised that you thought this was surprising. Here's why. And I, it's a news organization who ostensibly their product is delivering the truth. They know the truth. Cops are racist. <laughs> okay, this is why. Ostensibly. Your data doesn't affect the truth. I'm shocked that that at the highest levels of this organization, being interested in the truth, being interested in data, you know, having a role that is for a data scientist mm-hmm. and having this very topical thing. Like, I understand when you're in, uh, if I run a publishing company and we publish young adult fiction and somebody's in the Slack talking about BLM, in one direction or the other, I'd be like, yo, I'm going to fire you if no, you no, keep doing No, just to be clear, this. you're allowed to talk, and people were talking about BLM in one direction, and it was fine. Yeah, This isn't an organization that's against the conversation. People were, this is why he did it, is because people mm-hmm. were spamming the chat with things on one side, and he said, here's a thought from the other side. Mm-hmm. They're not against the conversation. They're against one side of the conversation. Yes, which is impressive to me when your product is the truth, or the reporting of the truth. Yeah, but you're the one who said this. That's some, not really your problem. Some people's, <laughs> some people's religion has been supplanted by political beliefs. This is, their, this is like saying, I don't understand how this person can read the Bible and still believe in this, given the fact that it says, insert thing that mm-hmm. we know they would disagree with. And they go, well, we just, we just ignore that part. Mm-hmm. But the book's still true, and it's still written by God, just not yeah. that part. Like, that doesn't hold up. I'm, you're never going to convince me that it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Why? So... And this is all I'll say. Like, I'm, I've, I've accepted it at this point. The reason that it surprised me was that I, he, he... You thought Reuters would be different. Reuters, a news organization with a director of data science, with a well-founded thing, you know, it, it, about a topic that was already being discussed was not safe it is... Well, I'd be curious. I think news organizations pretty clearly have ideologies now. How often do... Does the same news organization report disparate beliefs to the same... Publicity. I'm not talking a blog post versus national so, television. Good question. Reuters, in my mind, had been one of the last bastions mm. of non-opinion. Four missiles were shot today. It killed 22 people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, but I think all news organizations just have ideologies now. Mm-hmm. And then people just find the organization that they agree with. And they yeah. make sure that they never hear it. Dis- but it's not like Fox. For this pro-life, pro-choice, it's not like Fox will have a half-hour segment on the strongest pro-life arguments and then a half hour segment on the 
strongest pro-choice arguments yep. and neither will CNN have the strongest pro-life arguments and the strongest pro-choice arguments. They just okay. go, they just have an, they, yeah, they just have their religion and then they only touch on that. And if you disagree with them, they'll fire you. It's a good article. Um, it's from Coleman Hughes and this guy. So we'll wind down. I had some other things, but it was a similar topic to what we've discussed in the past. So I'll, I'll leave it. Leave it till next week. Yeah. Justin. What's Coleman Hughes doing? Is he blowing up? <clears throat> no, he could if he did YouTube and some things differently. But, what do you think is holding them back? Uh, so, I mean, little things. Like, when you watch his videos, they have, like, a 15 to 30-second intro music stuff instead of the standard uh, most interesting part of the podcast. Mm. Um, the titles are witty rather than clicky. Mm. They're, they're classic. And academics do this thing where they write their thesis statements, and there's, like, a pun or a play on words in it. It's not good to click on. Mm. Instead of just saying uh, sometimes what the, what they were talking about. Do you like his stuff? I think I I like his thinking. Yeah, I do. Would you talk to him about YouTube if he wanted to? Sure. If anyone knows Coleman Hughes, contact I mean, we, us I'm through sure Justin. We, we could probably reach out to him. Well, I'm uh, saying if you think that the thing holding him back is YouTube knowledge, we could help him. I, I think he could be bigger than he is. Yeah. Cool. You guys know Coleman Hughes. Let him know. But also, we're not that big, so he's not going to trust us. But I'll, I feel like I'm not trying. To no, no. You got to look at look at the Charisma on Command. Don't yeah. look at the podcast. I purposely don't. I know how to grow a podcast. It would be to be way more inflammatory, way hotter takes. With guests. Go down. Yeah. We'll also, pick, a, pick an ideology. Like, very specifically, don't say things that people on one side will dislike. And mm -hmm. then in the very next segment, talk about things that the other side will dislike. Yeah. It's just, you just go straight Ben Shapiro route. You go, my audience is going to be this group of people. Mm -hmm. And then just go with the hottest takes and the strongest arguments that you can arm that side with. Because what people want is to be armed, not to change their mind, but to make themselves feel smart when they argue it with other people. So Let's we just do go. it, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it, right? You just go, okay, we are this side. We're going to give you the best arguments for this side. We're going to give you the spiciest takes for this side. We're going to have guests that we know you agree with. And we're going to take the, you grow. the strawiest of men from the other side. Yeah, and and break, annihilate them. them. Yeah. We'll get some, if you have a big audience and poorly held beliefs, <laughs> we'll invite you on. If you have a big audience and well-founded beliefs, you're not invited. Yeah. No, I know how to grow it, but that's not the podcast I want. Cool. But we have charisma on command, so hopefully he'll believe that we... And D&D soon. <laughs> and D&D soon. So have some YouTube chops. All right, Justin, <clears throat> we have... Some comments, some questions? Yep. I wrote down one. So we got, hi, I wanted to start off by saying I'm a big fan of the podcast. I noticed Thank lately you. in myself that I have a craving to be strong slash in control of situations. For me, it's like a feeling of euphoria when I'm in control or strong for even a bit. It's starting to suck the joy out of all other things as I start to get bored when doing other things I've liked for a long time and to try and get another feeling of power. I've been trying to look at some of my childhood experiences, even though I'm only 15, and I think it might stem from me feeling weak in my childhood. However, I haven't been able to stop the craving. Is there any advice you would give me to help me stop wanting feelings of power slash control so much? At 15, honestly, I'd say go go get some power and control <laughs> over, over the world and your life to some degree. Now, I don't know how that's specifically like if you're controlling your friend group. But also, it, what is it? Not, what are you not doing? Like, are you stopping sports that you aren't good yeah. at that you really enjoy? Because that would be a bad outcome. I don't know what it means to be 15 and to be abandoning activities unless they give you power and control. Yeah. Well, I think, and there are, there are also is a, a, probably a healthy amount of control at specifically a developmental age like 15 where you're understanding what your effect can be on the world around you and how you can change things. Mm -hmm. And where it's like, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of a crazy change for me to aim at. So 
um, if you had said 55, I'd give you a different answer. But at 15, I almost just want to like, be like, dude, this is, go fuck it up. You like go, go find the edges of things that don't work and life experience of aiming at control and having it make you unhappy for long enough will or ought to naturally curb you, especially given the awareness that you have about it. Um, oftentimes I think the best teacher in life is experience. So you like, your mom says, don't touch that. Don't burn. You're going to burn your hand. You're going to burn your hand. You're going to burn your hand. You're like, I know I shouldn't touch this. And then eventually you touch it, you burn your hand and you're done. That's it for you. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes you get, you double back. <laughs> Sometimes you go On again. that metaphorical stove. But at, at Honestly, 15, a lot of people double back for abusive relationships. Yes. But at 15, we don't know if that's you yet, is I guess what I'm saying. Like, we don't know if just the natural course of growing will teach you, especially with the awareness that you're holding, uh, that this isn't working for you. Mm-hmm. Not that it shouldn't work for you, that it's not a good idea, but that you're like, no, I have felt experience. And this has happened, for instance, with... Uh, specific traits and partners in relationships. There are things that I could have told myself at 18. Be like, don't go for the girl that is just pretty and doesn't have X, Y, or Z. And I was like, well, I know that, (laughs) but I'm going to do it. And as I've gotten older, there are traits that I don't have to teach myself to be repulsed by Mm -hmm. anymore because I actually am. But a lot of people do. Just to be clear, a lot of people, they'll date someone, let's say he's a drug addict Mm -hmm. and it leads to negative things in their life. And they break it off, and then their next relationship is with a drug addict. Yes, yeah, so I'm just getting a text for about a call that we have. That I have? Uh, no, we have on Thursday. Mm. Uh, yes, but yes, I agree. And if that's you at age 24, 25, come back. But I would say continue to hold the awareness that you have. Notice how those situations of power and control make you feel. And rather than fight them, just notice. It's kind of like the... Um, prediction spreadsheet that we did just Mm -hmm. keep a a running log like okay i'm in control and i don't feel good oh that's good to know i'm in control again and i don't feel good i'm in control again and this just feels empty like i think that can wear on you and actually show slowly uh change you yeah i do think that this is something people struggle with i do see people pursuing let's say wealth which is a form of control and power and they go if i had 100 grand in the bank man things would be different you get the 100 grand you go if i had 500 grand in the bank if i had a million in the bank and they actually don't pivot they just keep going bigger, bigger, bigger. And I think live oftentimes lives with that are less happy or fulfilling or joyous or whatever you want to call it because they they don't break the cycle. of They don't start to reorient towards relationships or contribution. Yeah. So what do you do? If you're deeper in life and if you're, you're not, not getting 15, the lesson. Yeah, exactly. If you're not getting the lesson and you go, like some part of you goes, I don't think this is working. I, I've checked the boxes. I got the promotion or the money or the whatever and kind of still feel the same powerlessness and and frustration or sadness or anxiety that I always have. How do you make that shift? Because I I think that's pretty common is to not let the stove educate you, Mm -hmm. keep moving the bar, but never reorient to fulfillment, contribution, happiness, growth. Well, what have you seen work for people? I've seen, like, what have you seen change that guy? So we've talked about this. Okay, you want to change something about yourself. First level is like, sometimes it just changes. Mm -hmm. Second level to me is like, Tony Robbins, do conscious exercises and personal power too to change your relationship with money. That worked for me and money Mm -hmm. very easily. Um, Next level is like choice center, landmark, therapy. 
let's go to some ongoing experiences that have kind of a dramatic kickstart to change a behavioral pattern. Mm -hmm. And the next level is psychedelics, <laughs> which is or uh, I'm going into the deep recesses of my unconscious or breath work or... Or death of a loved one. Or death of a loved one. That's or or an absolute cataclysmic failure of your way of being yeah. in the world. Um, so that's my general ladder. That's what I see. Yeah, I haven't seen people. a quick, consistent fix. I haven't seen a, an easy, consistently effective way to break out of that I think, pursuit of power cycle. I think you're forgetting the things that weren't difficult for you to break. I think most times you 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 burn yourself. You don't do it again. Like I don't know with your injuries or something. Like you will not play basketball hard after mm -hmm. hurting your. Like yeah, yeah. you got it. I hurt my ankle. <laughs> well, yeah. For me, it was it was uh, kind of what you're saying. It was getting a shitty job mm -hmm. that paid a lot of money and that I hated. But I saw I saw a lot of people say they hated the same job that I hated. Mm -hmm. Go to business school and then kind of forget mm -hmm. that they hated it so much and go back to the same industry which I thought was interesting, even people who swore they wouldn't do it. They get the time off and they forget. So yeah. I, that's why I, maybe I'm biased by how persistent I see it in some people I've been close to. Yes, and because those people were selected for, were already following prestige super hard despite all the sacrifices that they had to make for it in high school and college. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm also thinking like Alex Hormozy came on the podcast and basically said, I pursue wealth because I have a hole in my heart. Mm -hmm. And then isn't, pivoting to a new strategy it's just pursue, still pursuing wealth and I'm, I would think to myself like what could make him not hunt power and control you said it cataclysmic failure a death of a loved one psychedelics like it he's beyond I think Tony Robbins at this point it is, it. it is deep deep so you say just move up the ladder start with experience yeah, yeah. If experience is sticky take personal power too mm -hmm. if that's sticky go to landmark forum mm -hmm. oh, it's still sticky psychedelics if that doesn't work you gotta wait till your kid dies yeah, or just, yeah, <laughs> that's you for, for life. Interesting. Good question. That's all I got. Oh, that was still the more on the podcast. We're not on Patreon yet. Yep. <laughs> I thought we were, on <laughs> we're doing Patreon next. Oh, nice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> if you want to join our Patreon, keeps us going, keeps Justin sitting here. We got to get some more money in, I guess, because we've had low patrons and low. We have. Yeah. So, well, we don't want it to uh, come out of Justin's ability to survive and have, LA prices are getting kind of brutal. yeah these LA prices are, are, are did you say they're doing a stimulus check that's just based on inflation in California don't even do you didn't know this <laughs> I saw <laughs> I don't want to talk about it you don't want to talk about it but I heard I did hear it was you know the, I don't want to talk about it right now. really we could talk about it off air. I'm, I'm curious what your thought. If you make less than 75 grand, you get $1,000. That's okay. the California That's, policy. Yes, which is what a brilliant way to fight inflation on the one hand. On the other hand, I think it was from a tax surplus, which is like we over-collected money. So it's essentially just saying that if you're at a lower tax margin, you were taxed at a lower rate, which I'm more okay with, mm. um, which is different than printing of money. It is a... No, no, it's definitely not. Sorry, California didn't print money. They're yes. just taxing the... I mean, in basically the way it's working, they're just taking money from people who make more than 75 grand and giving it to people who make less than 75 grand. Relative to the current tax structure, which yeah. is, yeah, which already happens mm -hmm. in, in California. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're just doing it a little bit more and having more dollars chase more co commercial consumer goods, which is going to raise inflation more. I'm not sure that maybe it's worth it because those people need those things um, and they'll be more competitive in their attempt to acquire those things compared to the rich folks. But yeah, I didn't have a strong reaction to it. I just saw it. 
it's just a funny headline, like California fights inflation with checks, you know, um, which I think is oversimplified, but cool. Yeah, so if you guys want to join a Patreon, we got more questions. What are we talking about, mm -hmm. Justin? We're going to talk about if physical attraction matters. We're going to talk about convincing your family to embrace psychedelics and then some good more at that. about Roe v. Wade. I can help there. You are good at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a pusher. So. What was the third one? <laughs> Roe v. Wade. Yeah, more about Roe v. Wade. Cool. Huh. All right, well, if you guys want to check that out, all of the other uh, Patreon episodes are on our Patreon. Any dollar amount gets you access, keeps us going. So we appreciate you all, and we'll see the rest of you on Patreon. Thanks. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.